God is still working. We still keep meeting new people who are hungry to follow Jesus. And we are seeing people change in insignificant ways. Even over the last few weeks, uh, God is working in people's hearts and lives. Some of it comes through crisis, and uh, some of it comes through uh, through the good times, the hills and the valleys. I would also like to say a big thanks to Pleasant Valley for the way that you have also cared for and encouraged my mom uh, and the rest of our family as we've continued to mourn the loss of my dad back in November. You were there for dad through his struggle with cancer, and you still encourage and support mom uh, as she's going through this new new season of life here in this church. So a big thanks to, to all of you, and just keep praying for us as a family. One of the reasons that, that I enjoy working at SBC is that I get to teach. I love that. I love teaching mission courses that are very practical and are also uh, helping our students get ready to go global. That's one of my one of my passions, to move around the world and share the gospel. But it's even more fun for me to be able to take students with me and to do mission together. Um, this year, SBC is sending uh, first-year students to inner-city Winnipeg again, MX1, uh, to work with Inner City Youth Alive and Solo Mission and some other groups like Salvation Army. Uh, we're also sending sec- a lot of second-year students up to northern Manitoba to, to work with Manitoba's First Nation people, and then also five international teams this year. So it's really a year of international mission. We're sending a lot of people uh, to other parts of the world. Two teams are going to Germany. Uh, one is going to England. Uh, we're sending a team to Belize and then also a team to Guyana. So there is a lot of ministry happening at SBC, and I'd appreciate your prayers. It's exciting, but it's also a time of a bit of tension and dissension. When we send out that many people, um, our enemy doesn't want us to go. So we appreciate your prayers as we want to go not just to look, but to learn, also to serve and to share. So we're not just going to, to hang out and have vacations, but really to learn what God is doing, to be encouraged, I think often what happens with our MX teams is uh, is we go expecting to serve and teach, which we do, but we're also, I think, infected with some new joy and passion to serve God in the ways that Christians are doing kind of around the world and start to see how big God is. My wife, Lisa, uh, and our youngest son, Malachi, and I are leading a team of, of eight students to uh, a church in Neuwied, which is in Germany. It's very close to Frankfurt kind of the, the New York, the, the financial capital of, of Europe. And a lot of refugees have streamed into Germany. And maybe a lot of what you've heard has been kind of more the negative side of that. Uh, but Germany has, has welcomed people in from all over the Middle East, especially from Syria, Afghanistan, Iran, Iraq, and other places. Um, some of the recent counts have said more than 2 million have arrived in Germany uh, over the last couple of years. And that, that's a giant amount of people. Um, and again, I think often the, the secular news is looking more at some of the negative things that have happened with some people that are, are, are uh, causing some trouble. But God is at work. An article I read recently said that God is bringing refugees to Europe to revive it. God is using refugees to revive Europe. Nobody would have expected that, right? And we don't hear those stories here. But churches are being renewed and restored and, and revived because people are coming literally to their doors of churches and saying, we want to follow Jesus, like they are ready. They're tired of the past, uh, and they're ready to turn to Jesus. This church that we're going to serve in is uh, is connected to MB Mission, and there may be a church of 300. And they said in their church alone, a 100 new people have arrived and are really involved. Many of them have turned to Christ, and a lot of them are being baptized. So for 
those of you that know anything about Islam, that is a huge, huge change for people to make, to decide to follow Jesus and to be publicly baptized. So, in many ways, the, the missionary who's been sharing with me, and we've been talking over Skype and email, it sounds a lot, a lot like the book of Acts, where churches are growing rapidly, but there is some tension because different cultures are mixing, and it's not always easy. Uh, she was just sharing the story that uh, the background of the church is German, very precise, very organized. Now you have new cultures coming in, a lot more small kids tearing around, and there's a bit of tension even over that. So we'll be helping with, helping with, uh, with kids' ministry. There are language challenges. Again, that happened in the New Testament church as well. We'll try to use some of our, our limited high German, but again, a lot of these refugees are coming in and trying to learn German as well. So I think we'll, we'll fit in. They're speaking uh, other languages too. We're asking that you pray for us that Jesus would help us be revived as we serve him and that we would also trust that we would see him working. We know that we will. And also give our students direction for future ministry. Um, this is often a time when students uh, feel God's call on their lives for different, different ministries. Pray that we would have a balance of wisdom and courage as we share Jesus. And keep praying for SBC as we keep mission central to what we do. I think we can also pray for students to come from this congregation to, uh, to SBC. I keep wanting to teach and train uh, students that have that passion for mission, uh, who want to do more training to get ready to lead. That's my passion. Uh, not just to go and serve short-term, but to go long-term. And uh, I'd like to also take some people from this, uh, this congregation on Mission X into other parts of the world. Uh, I do have a student, though, from this, this uh, church. Jesse is in my Intro to New Testament class. It's been good to have, uh, have Pastor Jesse. And I can always uh, ask him to give some input as well, which has been good. This morning, I'm going to share from, uh, from 2 Corinthians. And I think, let's be honest with each other. Uh, those of us who are following Jesus and are passionate about him, even though we love him, we want to honor him and follow him, it still can be easy to feel discouraged and uh, tense about sharing Jesus with people who frankly are sometimes disinterested or maybe even opposed to the gospel. And we're puzzled. Why don't they want to meet Jesus? What's stopping them? The Apostle Paul encountered lots of people like this. And in 2 Corinthians 4, he helps us look past our fears. Jesus is asking us this morning again through his word to help people see the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Let's pray before I start. God, I ask that you would speak to us this morning through your word, by the power of your spirit. Help me to remain faithful to this text and that I would also be sensitive to your leading. God, we thank you for this church. We thank you for their vision, for their heart, for their mission, for their desire to worship you and to serve people in this community and around the world. We pray for them and pray a blessing on them this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen. So a bit of background on, on, uh, on Corinth. Paul is writing another letter to this church. Corinth was a city, of course, with some fame. In the Roman Empire, it had kind of a questionable reputation, a city that had a lot of, of sin and evil and, and a lot of bad stuff going on. Um, the church itself was struggling with pride. There were clashes inside the church between wealthy Christians and poor Christians. Um, there were cultural issues relating to idolatry and stuff from the past that was still hanging on them. Um, 
people wanted to follow Jesus, but they were in the middle of this pagan culture and a city that was not following Christ. There was a lot of blindness and confusion in Corinth. So in the first three chapters of Second Corinthians, Paul encourages the people in Corinth. And he encourages them by saying that God is our comforter. He is with us in times of trouble and persecution. He's faithful. He's the one that says yes to us. His yes is in Jesus. God also gave us the Holy Spirit, not just to be with us occasionally, but to be with us like a seal of ownership. He is, he is in us. His presence is working through us. Paul reminds the church that when we follow Jesus, it's not just for me, but it's to spread that good news around the community and around the world. The church needs to be alive, not just a place to gather, but a living body. And her leaders are given to the church by God. Paul says that the old ways are passing away. In chapter 3, he talks about Moses' face back in the Old Testament. And a lot of the, the people of a Jewish background would, would remember this from, from their Bible. Remembering Moses' face shining with this reflected glory of God after receiving the Ten Commandments. So if you remember that story, Moses' face was so bright, people couldn't even look on him. And he had to have a veil or a cover so that people wouldn't be blinded by how bright his face was. Paul says that veil is still hanging over those who are just following the old ways, the old covenant. He said that's also there for those who don't know Christ from other cultures, languages, and places. That veil is there, that obstruction or... or um, covering. Only in Christ Jesus is the veil taken away. Whenever anybody turns to Jesus, that veil is lifted and they can start to see who he is. The glory of God, the power of the Spirit working in us. People who follow Jesus are transformed, they're made new, they pass from death to life, from sin to freedom and grace and forgiveness. If you think about what happened at uh, at Jesus' death, that veil was torn, right? The, the access was given. People could go. They were able to see that, that symbolically and in a real way as well, they were able to approach God because of Jesus Christ. The first two verses that I'll read are from Second uh, Corinthians 4. What Paul writes is that, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we don't lose heart. But we have renounced and given up disgraceful and underhanded ways. We've refused to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. People were always attacking Paul. They were always running him down. There were always enemies who tried to undermine his ministry. And again, Paul was a man on the move. He spent months, sometimes a few years in one place. But it always ended with some people criticizing him and trying to tear down his ministry. In 2 Corinthians 4, verses 1 and 2, Paul responds to those people who doubt him. Even though he had been faithful, uh, he tried to follow God to the best of his ability, he planted churches and he shared the gospel through messages and letters. For those of you who are in ministry, this might sound a little bit familiar. There are times of congratulations and praise, but there also will be times of, of criticism. We want to reach out to our neighbors, to our family and friends, but there are times when people question why we're doing it. We will face opposition and questions. Sometimes it's even severe. 
The question then is, how will we respond? Will you quit, stop, or give up? Paul encourages us, and he says, don't lose heart. Keep going. He doesn't want you to give up. He makes it clear that he's doing his best to be honest and faithful and to handle the word of God faithfully. So essentially, don't lose heart. If you're helping people see Jesus and meet Jesus, you'll face some opposition, questions, maybe even severe. But keep doing it. God is calling you to to stay strong and not to lose heart. Uh, Paul just points out, he said, because I'm walking as a child of the king, I'm a child of the light, I won't be deceptive, I won't be crafty or, or trick people. Satan is the one who works in the shadows. He's the one that uh, tricks people, pulls them away, keeps them veiled. But as Christians, we are called to be in the open, to be open with our faith and sharing the gospel openly. It's not a secret, right? It's, it's something we need to be open about, not to hide the gospel. I think often we are, uh, we're afraid, uh, we're tentative, we don't know what to say. But we can share what God has done in our lives and as we read the word. We can talk about that with people around us. Trusting that God will transform people in a moment, but also over the course of a lifetime. He can work like that, but sometimes it takes a long time. I've seen both happen. And that's happening in my life as well. So my first key point is start talking about Jesus, but ask God for courage. He'll give that to you by the power of his spirit. Just start talking about Jesus with followers of Jesus and then also with people who don't yet know him. Ask God to give you courage, and he will. In verses 3 and 4, Paul writes, And even if our gospel is veiled... It is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Paul writes that it often uh, looks like the gospel is under a veil. It's obscured or hidden for a lot of people. And when he talks about veiling, uh, for those of you that wear glasses, I think you probably know what I mean, right? When you're working with something where your hands get dirty, you change, you move your glasses and they get quite greasy or they're hard to see through. Uh, and then suddenly you realize, yeah, I've got to clean these. This is really getting a little bit uh, difficult to see what I'm working with, uh, whether it's wood or grease or whatever project. Um, it's almost like that. The gospel is, is veiled. It's like there's this haze. It's not completely shut out from people's view. They can kind of see what's going on in our lives and and with Jesus, but it is really hazy and and there is that veil. Remember that Paul is writing as a missionary. He wants to get that truth of Jesus out to people. He's not keeping it to himself. He wants people from all cultures and places to know who Jesus is. Paul has a passion to see that veil lifted and for clarity to come for people to see Jesus. People who don't know Jesus don't really see the glory of God. They're not aware of it. It just seems distant and confusing. At best, it might be kind of like a veiled glory where they see God at work, but they don't quite understand it. They don't quite see who he is. Paul describes and and kind of outlines why it's veiled. Who keeps that veil in place? God refers to the God of this age, Satan. And of course, he's not the capital G God for all time and and for the the globe. Rather, Satan has kind of a temporary power during this time, and he controls some people and keeps them from seeing Jesus. He blinds them and keeps them away from the truth. I think something important to remember, though, is that Satan can only blind people. He can't give them sight. Jesus is the one who gives sight. He's the one who allows people to see. He did that in his ministry 
when he was wandering through Israel and healing people, and he still does that today. He gives people sight. So don't think that Satan has tons of power to give. He only takes away and blinds people. But Jesus restores. How does this blindness affect people? I believe that they can't really see the light of the gospel until they hear about Jesus, until they see our lives and see us transformed. And if people can't see Jesus in us, they really don't have any idea about the image of God. So I think that we can pray that God will open our eyes so that people will see Jesus through us. So my second key point is that people who don't know Jesus struggle with blindness. It's not that they're dumb or that they're fighting actively. Sometimes they do, but often they just can't see Jesus. They can't see the light. So pray that people would see who Jesus is. And God will answer our prayers as well. Again, sometimes like that. Other times it takes a long, long time. We have stories like that in Rosenart of people who have turned to Christ, been transformed. Other times it's taken years of prayer. Same thing around the world. It isn't just because people say no or resist that we give up. We keep going. God has called us. And there's joy in the journey as well. Our ministry becomes clear and distinct and obvious when we look into the Word. And that uh, we can see that God is calling us to lift that veil and help people to see who Jesus is. So we need to keep remembering uh, point one, right? Don't give up. Remember that God is calling you to introduce people to Jesus. In verses 5 and 6, Paul writes, For we proclaim, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. And then verse 6, it's such a great verse. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And I have a burden for people, but I still sometimes miss the point. Um, I, I think and pray about my neighbors when God brings them to mind, my neighbors in Mitchell. Um, but what I've noticed sometimes is that we can tend to build relationships by complaining with other people. Oh, the drainage, the, the back lane, or something with the RM, or whatever it is. You can probably imagine what happens, right? And sometimes I thought, that isn't really a very positive way to start building friendships, by complaining about things. How do we shift that then to talking about Christ? I think it's so much better to ask people about their lives, about their families, about their needs, rather than starting out with complaining and griping and hoping to build that into something where you'll have a friendship and share Christ. Does that make any sense to you? I've just been thinking about that recently, where where we start to build connections. And let's not do it out of common kind of boundaries, barriers, enemies, or, or complaints, but rather about um, sharing that Jesus is really, is really number one. Let's not be shy uh, to talk about Jesus. Let's ask him for the right words. And maybe even to guard our lips if we're going to just start out with a complaint or something angry, but to really trust that he'll give us the right words. Remember that Paul was the man who was blinded by this clear, pure light from Jesus on the road to Damascus, right? He encountered Jesus. He said yes. Paul uses that word light over and over again. And in verse 6, he's obviously referring to God as creator, right? So let light shine out of darkness. God is the one who created light, who created us. Who is this God who caused that light to blind Paul and then restore sight? He is really that creator God, the one who now shines in our hearts. So God has given us light. He asks us to shine it out to others. 
And what does it mean, the shining in our hearts? I think it allows followers of Jesus to start to understand God, the glory of God. And then when we start to understand it, our lives change, but we also share it. So something I often think about is that um, God wants us to use our hands for him, serving. He wants to use our feet to move. He asks us to believe in him, to trust him at a deep emotional level, to know who he is, and not to leave it there, right? He wants us to also to share it. So God has not designed us with a mouth just to keep it quiet. Yeah, we need to listen to people, get to know them, but also be willing just to talk about Jesus. And again, it doesn't have to be complicated. God will give us the courage and the words to share about him. The glory of God is seen in the face of Jesus Christ, our compassionate Savior, our Shepherd, our glorious King and Lord, the sinless man who died on the cross so that our sins would be forgiven, the one who is God, who reflects God, who helps us to see the glory of God in the humdrum of our lives, the crisis, the struggle, the critiques, the battles, and the good times too. God is with us. The gospel of Jesus Christ is so much more powerful than the message of the God of this age. It is glorious. It's wonderful. It's about forgiveness of sin. Our lives are changed. God gives us freedom. He offers us hope. He gives us joy. And he can fill us with love and truth. As followers of Jesus, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, and he asks us to be bold and courageous so people will see Jesus, to see that glory, that the veil would be lifted. Let's pray for breakthroughs in our families, in our communities, in our nation, and in our world. Pray against the power of evil that holds people back. So many people in our places of work, in our families, in our nation, like I said, around the world, need to have that veil removed. They need to see who Jesus is and be transformed. So I think my third key point, simply put, is to invite people to see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Just invite them. Use your mouth to share about Jesus. Use your relationships. As I wrap this up, uh, I thought of a few action points, maybe a very basic one. Um, A few challenges for you for this next week. I think, you know, all of us at times have trouble remembering complex guidelines. So my challenge for you this week is to think about reaching one person. Just think of that one. Uh, it might be a relative. It might be a sibling, a son or daughter, somebody that you know already that God is, is, has put on your mind and your heart. We all know somebody who needs Jesus. Remember that one person. Pray for them daily. Ask God that they would be transformed, that the veil would be lifted, and they could really see who Jesus Christ is. But you don't have to do it alone, right? Sometimes we feel like we're just struggling and doing this out of our own effort. But God is with us. He's filled us. He's equipped us. He's given us Jesus Christ, the power of the Spirit. Reach that one person with the one, right? Like Jesus is with you through this. It's not just you by yourself trying to reach that one person. But Jesus as the one, capital O, he wants you to reach that person and to share Christ. Don't give up this week. Don't give up this month or year as you serve Jesus, wherever that is. Realize that people who don't know Jesus are blinded. It's hard for them to see who Jesus is and to trust him. Pray that that veil would be lifted and that they can live a new life in Jesus Christ, transformed, given hope and freedom, forgiveness from sin, a new direction for themselves, for their families, and for their descendants. Jesus wants to know each person personally. He wants to forgive people, and he lives in us and loves it when we say yes to him 
And he loves it when we share that good news with people around the world as well. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Blessings to each one of you this week.